0: Welcome back to the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Gadiel Cartagena, speaking with co-host Tyler Arnell. Today we're going to be talking about the AFC North Division, and we're going to talk about how Big Ben's return will impact the Pittsburgh offense as a whole, which running back and wide receiver is the best value of the two star duos in Cleveland, how hard the Baltimore offense regresses and who it hits the hardest, and whether the Bengals wide receivers are being slept on because they are on the Bengals. What's up? First Take Fantasy back here. Today, we're going to be talking about the AFC North division. And first, we're going to start things off talking about Tyler's favorite team. Tyler, let the people know.
1: Pittsburgh Steelers, baby. Let's go.
0: Yeah, so Tyler's a huge Steelers fan, and he has reason to be excited this year. They'll be pretty solid. And one reason I really believe in the Steelers this year is Big Ben coming back. Tyler, what impact do you think Big Ben coming back will have on this
1: offense? I think the presumption here is that the offense will turn to a more run-heavy offense in the 2020 season, given that they have a very solid offensive line. They have a quarterback going into age 38, and they have some young receivers that are looking to grow. But I think that it's going to be a pretty balanced attack. We saw last season they had 44% of their plays that were run plays and 56% pass. Yeah, in 2020 – Roethlisberger is going to be throwing the ball a decent amount, not really looking at him fantasy-wise.
0: With Roethlisberger, I think it'll kind of be a similar scheme to what it was last year where the targets are either going to the slot receiver or the running back primarily. I don't know how much outside throwing there's going to be doing, not necessarily because of Ben, but more so tailored to the personnel that they have. because. Deontay Johnson, although we both believe in him, he does have some question marks as to how he can really function against number one corners as he is playing the X receiver position. And then you have James Washington who has speed and he's a good downfield threat, but how complete of a receiver really is he and will Big Ben target him like that? So you see more of like the short intermediate routes being used as opposed to Ben really bombing the ball down the field how he used to with Antonio Brown and Antonio Holmes and Emmanuel Sanders, Mike Wallace. And the list of all the amazing receivers that Ben has played with in Pittsburgh. So I think, yeah, Ben from a fantasy perspective, I'm not really buying him this year. Just an offense that I don't think they're going to need to do all that much because the defense is so good. I think he will definitely help the offense from what it was last year. But I don't know how if he's going to bring it back to how good they were with A.B. and Le'Veon and all that stuff. The biggest beneficiary to Ben Roethlisberger coming back to the offense is going to be Juju Smith-Schuster because he has produced with Ben before, but he was not the number one receiver. So with that said, do you think Juju Smith-Schuster at wide receiver 14 and ADP 35 off the board, do you think he's a value at that spot?
1: You know, I think that he's going exactly where he should be going. I think that he does have potential to put up wide receiver one numbers this upcoming season. If Ben if Ben throws the ball as much as I presume he will, I think that Juju will get about 130, 140 targets a season, which is enough to enough volume for him to get put up wide receiver one numbers. The problem here is that he has a bit of a floor that's about uh, the low wide receiver two. But all in all, I have faith in in Juju this season to produce at least high wide receiver two numbers just based on volume being the number one guy in this offense.
0: With Juju, I think this is a similar scenario to where he was last season, where he's going to be a high-volume player. We don't know how he's going to function as the number one target in the offense, but he still is going to get so many targets that his floor is going to be very high. So you're really getting a two-round discount as opposed to where you were drafting Juju last year, because last year he was going off the board in like the second round, and this year he's going like late third, early fourth. So definitely has – still has that same upside. I don't know if he can be the wide receiver one overall, but he can definitely finish in the top eight because he's going to have so much volume. If he capitalizes on that and improves as a player, then, yeah, the sky's the limit for Juju. I think around 115, 120 targets is what I expect for him. And somewhere in the 80 to 90 catch range, I think he'll be efficient with his catches. I think he does improve a bit as a player. I'd probably put him around wide receiver 16, wide receiver 17 right now. So – If he slips a little bit, I'm not opposed to drafting him at his current value. I think he's pretty solid this year. So with Juju, I know you're a huge fan of his, obviously Steelers fan, but I'm going to give you really quick some players to compare him to. Would you rather have Juju or Adam Thielen this year?
1: You know, I think that it's going to be a more balanced attack in Pittsburgh between the run and the pass, as opposed to Minnesota, that's uh, very run heavy this season. And I think that Juju is going to be able to produce in the red zone. So I'm going to go with Juju in that scenario
0: yeah I'll probably take Juju there just because I'm not really buying into Minnesota's offense this year I know Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison they're great on the ground but something about Kirk and having to force it into t- tighter windows with Thielen doesn't really appeal to me so I'll take Juju what you rather have Juju or Cooper Cup
1: you know I think that the running backs get more involved in the passing game for the Rams this season with Gurley out and uh, McVeigh having to switch up the offense a little bit. We saw a 9% target share for the running backs last season, so I think that definitely goes up. And with that said, I think that I would take Juju over Cooper Cup and Robert Woods with the, because of the same reasoning.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask about Robert Woods, but I guess the answer is there. I would actually probably take both of them over Juju. I think without Brandon Cooks there, Yes, the tight ends are more involved, and maybe the running backs are going to be involved. But at the end of the day, there's still going to be so many targets open in Los Angeles. I don't think their defense is going to be all-world like we've been accustomed to a little bit. They are. They did lose some players along that defense. So definitely think that both of those guys have the potential to finish as wide receiver ones as well. I like Cooper Cup because he is Jared Goff's go-to guy in crucial situations, whether it's third down, red zone, Or end of the game, Cooper Cup seems to get those targets. And Robert Woods is just a target hog. He's consistently open for Goff and someone that is going to see probably the same amount of targets as Juju this year. I don't think Woods is being valued enough as a receiver. So give me both of those, but Juju's really close behind them. Yeah, that's how I stand on Juju compared to the field. And I want to get your opinion really quick. Deontay Johnson and James Washington, do either of these excite you in 2020?
1: Not anything more than just a fire at the end of the draft, maybe after the first 120 picks just because I, I just feel like there's not enough meat on the bone for either of them. You know, we've said it before, Deontay Johnson, we're we're very high on him as a football player. I personally see a lot of Emmanuel Sanders in him, a young Emmanuel Sanders. So Love that. I, That's I, a great comp. Yeah, I, I definitely see the potential in him in the future, but in 2020, I think that – he won't get enough of the, the volume that he needs to produce a top 30 finish. I'm not going to steer away from Deontay Johnson. I think that he could be a solid wide receiver four or wide receiver five that could have some some big games. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not taking him as anything more than a flyer this season.
0: Flyer is the exact word I'd use to describe Deontay Johnson. He definitely has upside because we've seen Ben in the past. He loves throwing to that X receiver position. And I'm not sure if that's because he just doesn't want to even look to the right side of the field because Juju and Deontay Johnson on the left side of the field is going to be similar. I'm not saying Deontay Johnson's Antonio Brown, but I think it's going to be a similar approach from Ben where he's going to look to those two first and then scan his options afterward. And that's when we'll see the Ben Roethlisberger little waddle over to the right side of the field, try to scramble, break some sack tackles and whatnot, stuff he loves to do. But I think Deontay Johnson – is I think Deontay Johnson has some pretty solid upside if he does fulfill that kind of X receiver role that Ben's always had. But I don't know if it happens this season just because Deontay Johnson still is in year two. He didn't really have that chemistry with Ben last year. So I think Deontay Johnson's definitely the one to grab out of these two. I prefer him as a player, but not necessarily someone that I'm dying to draft. And now we have Eric Ebron, the free agency acquisition in Pittsburgh. They signed him for two years, twelve million dollars. Pretty solid deal for a former Pro Bowl tight end. And right now he's being drafted as tight end 18.
1: Do you think he finishes higher than that? Oh, I think that he can definitely finish higher than that. When you look at kind of the lot, that that area of uh, tight ends, I think that a lot of them have a lot of upside to creep into the top ten. When you talk about the Noah fans of the world, the Hayden Hurst of the world. They all have the upside to finish in there. With Ebron, we've seen that he can be very effective in the red zone. With Ben lacking really some red zone targets besides Juju, he could definitely step up and be a factor this upcoming season. Yeah, I I like Ebron at tight end 18. It's very low risk, a high reward.
0: Yeah, tight end 18, I mean, you're really paying for pennies on the dollar for the type of player Ebron is. So even if the situation isn't great, because they aren't the most pass-heavy team, and he won't be the number one option in the middle of the field, because that will be Juju, that is where he thrives. I think Ebron definitely provides some value there. And if if all the tight ends go off the board before you draft, I wouldn't risk going for a guy like Austin Hooper, and instead I just take Ebron probably five to six rounds later, and see what happens with him. Worst case scenario, just start streaming tight ends. It's not the worst thing in the world. And the last thing I want to talk about with the Pittsburgh Steelers is James Conner. So there obviously has been some concerns about his fit in the future with Pittsburgh. There hasn't really been – they haven't reached out to extend him a contract, a second contract, and they are expressing interest in either free agent or rookie running backs this year. So this is pre-draft. We don't know exactly what they're going to do. I personally would love if they traded for Leonard Fournette but assuming James Conner is still the running back, he's still the guy, they don't bring in anybody else. Do you think James Conner at ADP 53 and RB 24 is a good value?
1: Yeah, at ADP 53, running back 24. I wouldn't mind having James Conner as my RB 3 just because we've seen when he's on the field, he's going to be the the bell cow. And that's just the approach that the Steelers like to have. And if he's the number one guy in this offense, then... He's gonna produce when he's on the field, and even if he does have injury concern, worst case scenario, you play him for two or three games and then sell him after week four or or week three. So I think that there's some value for him at RB 24 if he is a sole running back. The problem is that I don't, I just don't see a scenario where we leave, we go into the season as James Conner, with James Conner as our RB one.
0: Yeah, assuming it's Connor, that's the guy, and they don't bring anybody else in. I think at RB24, he's a fine value. There's just other guys that I'd rather get because that's around where David Johnson is going. And the upside this year with James Connor, I don't think he has that RB1 upside because I don't think Pittsburgh, if he is the guy, I don't think they commit the workload to him that we're accustomed to. I think it's more around 15, 16 touches per game. And that from James Connor, I don't necessarily know if I love it. If they were to bring in a guy like Leonard Fournette or a stud running back in the draft, I would absolutely be all over that because we've seen with Big Ben and with the Steelers that whatever running back is lining up next to Big Ben is going to be productive. So Le'Veon Bell, yes, he's extremely talented. We also saw D'Angelo Williams finish as an RB1 one year, and James Conner had a great season. All in all, the Pittsburgh running back position is very valuable and something that if you can find the guy – then definitely worth it. But right now, James Conner is someone that I'm not really going to be on until later on in draft season. But for right now, I'm probably passing on him at that ADP of 53 and looking for options with more upside. And now we can talk about the Cleveland Browns. So they fired the joke of a head coach that was Freddie Kitchens. They brought in Kevin Stefanski, the young modern guy from Minnesota. And I think with him, the impact that he's going to have is the offense is going to be more run heavy, but they're also going to be very efficient. So we saw in Minnesota, they don't have necessarily the best o line, similar to Cleveland, but they could definitely run the football. And like Dalvin Cook, you have a stud running back in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I think this offensive system is definitely going to benefit the Browns. And the player I think it benefits the most is Nick Chubb, who is being drafted at ADP 14 right now and RB 9. While I don't believe that's the best value for him, I probably would rely on him more in the 18 to 22 range. I think he definitely will have a solid season this upcoming season. Tyler, how do you feel about Chubb going into 2020?
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think that the RB9 ranking as of right now is a little bit too high. I think that there's a possibility that that kind of dips a little bit after Kareem Hunt signed his uh, his tender. So if he does fall into the high RB2 range, I would definitely be looking at him as a potential RB2 for me. We've seen this Kevin Stefanski offense work very well for Dalvin Cook, and I think it's tailored fit for a guy like Nick Chubb. Um, I think that he w- he's definitely the biggest beneficiary to this head coaching change because we saw how inefficient they were on, in the red zone last season, not only from, from the quarterback play, but – the running back play inside the five is just
0: like yeah it's
1: it's ridiculous but don't even get me
0: started inside the five
1: I'll cover Uh, that a little bit yeah but with Nick Chubb I think that he's definitely gonna have a productive season he I expect him to surpass 250 touches which is more than enough for an RB2 finish and honestly if we if Kareem Hunt weren't In this backfield, I think that we would be talking about him as a potential top five finish this season. So, with Kareem Hunt kind of taking away a few of his touches, I think that it does definitely hurt his value, but I think that he can definitely provide some fantasy value as a high RB2 because I think that he'll be going back, he will go back to his efficient self from the 2018 season.
0: Yeah. So like Tyler was saying with the inside the five yard line stats, so Chubb obviously is one of the best power backs in the NFL and he's a very decisive one cut runner that really likes to get downhill and he gets downhill quick. So that's something that typically would translate to being a very good goal line back because he's good in short yardage situations. So last season he tied for third in the NFL on inside the five rush attempts where he had 15 attempts. And despite having 15 attempts, he finished 38th inside the five rushing touchdowns with only two. So he only got a touchdown on 13% of those carries. And in total, he finished behind Kadri Olison, who finished with four touchdowns. Kalen Balazs, who literally got benched by Patrick Laird, had three touchdowns. And Andy Dalton was ahead of Nick Chubb with three touchdowns inside the five-yard line. And to make things worse, Nick Chubb tied with Jared Goff with two touchdowns inside the five-yard line. So Crazy. Ridiculous. If I told you before the year that Jared Goff and Nick Chubb would have the same amount of goal line touchdowns, you probably would have called the cops on me. And I wouldn't blame you because those numbers are just incredible. And I don't know if it's to blame on Freddie Kitchens, Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, or the offensive line. Whatever it was, I think they have made the necessary steps in order to improve that have improved the offensive line a little bit. They did bring in a different coach that can definitely knows how to run the football. So I think with all those things happening around them, I like Chubb a lot this year. I think he regresses positively in the touchdown category. I do have him as a high RB two, probably around RB 12, but someone that definitely can finish as an RB one, despite the presence of Kareem hunt in that backfield. So with Kareem hunt being mentioned, we are going to talk about him. He's right now he's currently being drafted at RB27 and his ADP is 67. So how do you feel about Kareem Hunt this season?
1: Yeah, I definitely support Kareem Hunt's value as RB27. When you look at the guys that are going around him, you see Philip Lindsay, um,
0: Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle,
1: Darius Geis. So guys that that will be relying on volume to get their work. The thing with Hunt is that he's not going to provide too much value. We're talking about Kareem Hunt as an RB1 if Nick Chubb were to get hurt. So definitely something that I'm buying as in the, in the end of the seventh round, maybe in the eighth round, quite possibly the most valuable handcuff in fantasy football.
0: Yeah, he's def- I think he's definitely the most valuable handcuff in fantasy football. And I think the reason he might have slipped our minds in the NFC North podcast is just – He is so talented, and we've seen him do it at such a high level that I don't necessarily even consider him a handcuff. I consider him a starting running back in my head, and it's weird to see him sit behind Nick Chubb. And although he will have, like, shaky flex production because he is so talented, I don't think the touches will be there to start the season. So if you were to draft him at RB27, one thing I would say, the value is fine because the upside is incredible. But you definitely have to be patient because you're really just waiting for a Nick Chubb injury or for him to potentially get traded because this will be Nick Chubb's backfield to start. And Kareem Hunt, all he needs is one chance. And I have no idea he'll run away with either that job or the following job, whichever one he gets. But for right now, you really just are drafting someone in waiting and hoping that it turns in that you can cash in on that lottery ticket in the seventh or eighth round. So, Kareem Hunt, definitely someone solid to draft from the Browns if you are patient with him. If not, you'll end up selling him for the cheap, and you would have wished that you wouldn't have drafted him. So another player that I think you would have wished you wouldn't have drafted at his current draft price is Odell. So he has all the hype. He is Odell Beckham Jr. He had the catch, and he has had some crazy plays, and he's flashed his talent very often in the league. But at the end of the day last year, he really underwhelmed. Whether that was Freddie Kitchens or Baker or Odell, whatever it was, it didn't work. And he saw a ton of volume, but still only came away with around 74 catches, just under 1,100 yards, and only had four touchdowns. So with that said, Tyler, at, wider, at a price of wide receiver 10 and ADP 27, do you think Odell is worth it this season?
1: Absolutely not. I don't – I would definitely not trust Odell Beckham as my wide receiver one nor my wide receiver two. I just feel like there's too many questions in this offense regarding the, the run-first approach. I don't think that he'll be the number one target getter in this offense. I think that that will go to Jarvis Landry. And I think that best case scenario, he does get traded out of Cleveland to a better situation where we, in that case, we would be having a different discussion about Odell Beckham Jr. But as of right now, wide receiver, 10 ADP, 27, get that out of my face. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that that price tag is just ridiculous, and I think that's another situation where you're paying for the upside, not necessarily the floor. Mm-hmm. So I like to draft players at their floor and have them outproduce their ADP, but with Odell at a third-round pick, I don't know if I could trust him as my third or fourth best player. He really is someone that should be taken in the fifth round or later just by the profile of what he did last year, the situation that he's going to be in this year. I think he compares a lot to Stephon Diggs, so... Last year, Diggs was very efficient, but he didn't necessarily see all that many targets, especially when Thielen wasn't on the field. And it took Diggs, it took one, Thielen to get hurt, and two, Diggs to start crying like a baby after the games, saying that he didn't want in Minnesota and saying he wasn't getting enough targets. So a similar situation to what we've seen with Odell before, just making a lot of noise and I think Odell kind of fits that Diggs role in this offense. He is the big play guy and Jarvis Landry will be the Adam Thielen in this offense and he'll be the chain mover. So when you look at Stefanski's offense, what he did last year, the targets mainly favored Thielen partially because Kirk is just so conservative as a quarterback, but also because the offense favors the short passing game to open things up in the box. I think Landry here is probably the better value at wide receiver 30 he's coming as ADP 69 off the board so I would probably take in terms of value I take Landry over Odell Odell is just someone that the price tag is way too high for me to even consider drafting him unless he falls three or four rounds so give me Landry of the two receivers in this receiving core
1: yeah Jarvis Landry is currently being ranked as wide receiver 30, ADP 69. I absolutely love that value. For someone that could possibly fall to the eighth round and I could have as my wide receiver four, I I would love to have Jarvis Landry at that position.
0: Yeah, he also fits the quarterback that Baker Mayfield is. I mean, we've seen mm-hmm. him succeed with Baker before, but he's he's a receiver that he isn't necessarily going to break the big play and he's not going to go for 60 yards on a slant route like Odell could. But he's going to get open, and he's going to catch the ball in traffic. He can catch the ball in those tight windows and create a little bit run after the catch. He fights for yards. He's a hard player. So Jarvis definitely someone I like this year. I don't think you're getting the right value from Odell. I think you're getting great value from Jarvis, and they're probably closer to equal than most people think. And another tandem that there is in the Browns offense is the tight ends. So Austin Hooper and David Njoku. So David Njoku really quick. I do not want him in fantasy, won't talk about him until he gets traded. So if he gets traded, hopefully to my New England Patriots for something like Joe Tooney, then we'll talk. But for right now, David Njoku, stay away. And another player you should stay away from is Austin Hooper. He's being drafted as tight end nine right now. Tyler, how do you feel about Austin Hooper coming as a tight end nine off the board?
1: Yeah, I'm going to be avoiding Austin Hooper this season solely because of his price tag. Also, well, not solely. I really don't believe in him in this offense. I don't think that he'll put up the same production that he did in Atlanta and Dirk Cotter's offense. So I'm going to be avoiding him this season. Let someone else uh, take him in the seventh or eighth round and uh, be disappointed.
0: Yeah, I love what you said there about uh, not playing in a Dirk Cotter offense anymore. So we saw with Stefanski, the tight ends weren't necessarily all that involved until one of the receivers went down. I think that'll kind of be the same thing for Hooper. I think he's brought in more as a blocker, which doesn't necessarily make sense because you can pay a lot cheaper for a blocker. So the contract is interesting because he is the highest paid tight end in the NFL. But even with that, I'm not following the money on this one. I think Hooper is just in a bad situation coming from possibly the best situation he could have had in Atlanta. So I'll pass on Austin Hooper. One player that's very enigmatic on the Cleveland Browns this year is Baker Mayfield. And last year, he had all the hype around him. He was being drafted as a top-10 quarterback, and he did not deliver. So with the coaching change and the run-heavy approach that I think the Browns will take, how do you value Baker Mayfield this year?
1: I think at his current draft value of quarterback 15 off the board, which is about borderline undrafted, I think that's about where he should be going. You said it. Uh, this is going to be a more run-heavy offense, but I also think it's a better fit for Baker Mayfield, considering he was in a Freddie Kitchens offense, which I personally believe was abysmal. So I think that, <laughs> yeah, I think that the the offense as a whole is going to be a lot more efficient this season. I think that they can do a lot more damage, and if the run game gets going, I think it'll definitely benefit Baker because. It'll put more pressure on the defense to respect the run and then leave guys like Odell and Jarvis open so I think that he's being drafted exactly where he should be because he do he does have a little bit of inconsistency and could have could finish around the quarterback 15 16 range but he could also finish as a low QB1
0: Yeah, I think Baker is a player that he's going to have a bounce-back year from a real football perspective. I think he'll be more efficient, but the volume won't necessarily be there, so the stats won't reflect him being that much better as a fantasy quarterback. I think he's appropriately valued at QB 15. He's a solid backup quarterback with some upside, but I think he's someone that is just going to benefit from this offense, and I think he'll have a great year, and he'll probably lock up that next contract from the Browns, due to the season that will have this season, but I don't know if it'll benefit him that much from a fantasy perspective. And now we have the team that everybody thought was going to be the Super Bowl champs, the Baltimore Ravens. So the Ravens had an incredible year last year. Efficiency was off the charts across the board at virtually every position except wide receiver. And Mr. Efficiency himself, Lamar Jackson, he won the MVP. So, Tyler, with that being said, Lamar Jackson coming off the board at ADP 25. He's the first quarterback off the board. How do you feel about him at that value?
1: You know, I love the talent that Lamar Jackson has. He he applies defense or applies pressure to the defense from a passing standpoint and a rushing standpoint. I find it difficult to believe that he can put up the same numbers that he did last season this upcoming season. The Ravens threw the ball the least amount in the NFL at 401 times, but threw the most passing touchdowns in the NFL at 36 touchdowns. He had a 9.2 touchdown percentage this past season, which is more than double the average. I think that he's going to have to throw the ball a little bit more, which means his his volume will go up, but his efficiency will go down. He won't be able to run as much as he did last year. He'll still provide that running value because it's Lamar Jackson. Everyone's sitting here in quarantine with a full season's worth of film of Lamar Jackson. So I think that Defenses definitely get better at at guarding Lamar. With that said, I think that Lamar does regress, regress a little bit this season.
0: Yeah, I think regression is definitely coming for Lamar. Not that I don't believe in him as a player. I mean, he's from the South Florida area like ourselves. And my brother actually played against him when they played in the Battle of the Beaches tournament in like 2007 up at John I. Leonard wow. High School. Yeah, kind of crazy. Uh, He was an incredible receiver back then, but still. This season, I don't necessarily believe that he's worth that price tag. I understand why someone would want to do that, because you think you're getting the cheat code that he was last year. But I think, although he might still finish as the QB1, I don't necessarily believe the gap between QB1 and QB2 and QB3 will be that much bigger than it was last season. So definitely passing on Lamar at this draft price. Like you said, the efficiency was just off the charts, and those things never stay the same. This is a similar scenario to Aaron Jones, who was scoring on 42% of his red zone carries. It's just – it's going to go down. And I think Lamar also regresses. And although the volume might be up, the regression is just going to hit very hard because it is almost impossible to keep that all-world efficiency two years in a row. And it doesn't matter who you are. We've seen it time and time again. There will be a regression to the mean. So I think Lamar Jackson, he's still going to be a top three option, but not someone that I'm looking to draft in the first three or four rounds of my fantasy draft. And another player that benefited from this incredible efficiency was Mark Andrews. And he's a different scenario because although his efficiency was incredible, they did lose Hayden Hurst in a trade, and he was taking the complement of Mark Andrews' snaps. So Mark Andrews was giving him 45% of snaps a game. So with Mark Andrews only being on the field for 55% of the game, he still was producing the tight end one numbers. Tyler, do you think this year Mark Andrews is a lock to finish in the top three?
1: I like what what Mark Andrews did with the amount of snaps that he got, the volume that he got last season. I think that he does regress a little bit from a touchdown standpoint. He had 15.6% of his catches turn into touchdowns. Eight of his 15 red zone targets and catches were touchdowns. With that being said, you mentioned it, Hayden Hurst is out of there. Well, Mar is going to have to throw a little bit more. I think that the volume definitely goes up for Mark Andrews. He had a, I think, a twenty-four percent target share last season, which is more than what you want from a tight end one. So, at his current ADP of, I think it's forty-six. Forty-six. Yeah. Right around where where Waller is, go, Darren Waller is going. I think both of them definitely have some top three potential. And if I were to take a a tight end within the first five or six rounds, I'd be looking at them over Kittle and Kelsey just because I think that there's a lot more value to be had drafting one of them at the fifth or sixth round.
0: Straight up, would you take Andrews or Waller?
1: Uh, You're really putting me on the spot here, man. One more answer. Waller's my boy. So is it Waller? I'm going to go with Waller. It's yeah, I'm I'll go take
0: Andrews. Mark. Might have to throw some money on that throughout the season, yeah. but we'll I'm get back cool to it. you guys on that. Uh, yeah, I'm a big believer in Mark Andrews this year. Yes, the efficiency was insane last year, but playing that full complement of snaps is going to be huge for him getting even Very more beneficial. targets. He's pretty much the number one receiver in this offense, similar to the way Travis Kelsey and George Kittle are and Zach Ertz has been in and their Darren offenses. Waller.
1: And Darren Waller.
0: And Darren Waller, yes. Yes. Sorry, I don't I don't mention the tight ends that are below Mark Andrews. So, yeah, I think Mark Andrews, although the efficiency is definitely going to go down because that can't stay the same, the volume, I think, is going to go up significantly. And I could see him finishing with 90, 80, 90 catches this year and really putting up an insane season for a tight end. And although it's hard to accept it while it's happening, I really think Mark Andrews is one of those players – that is blossoming into a truly elite receiving tight end and I think I'd rather if I were to draft a tight end early which I'm still not recommending for people I still would rather take a Hayden Hurst or Noah Fant in like round 10 or 11 so you can get really good value from the middle rounds of your draft but if you are to take a tight end early I think Andrews is the guy to target and then Darren Waller after that because Mark Andrews, he's young. He's playing in an offense that is very hard to stop. So regardless, he's not going to see that much coverage because Lamar Jackson is the focal point that defense want to stop, and you have to account for him with linebackers and safeties. So Andrews is typically going to be one-on-one with whoever he's he's with, and he knows how to get open, and he knows how to work the seam. So both of those things with a quarterback that loves to target the tight end, I think it's a match made in heaven. And give me Mark Andrews. I'm going to say he finishes as the – as a top three tight end this year, give me give me that. That'll be my bold prediction for today. Ooh. I like Mark Andrews there. Another player that I like at his draft value is Hollywood Brown. So right now he's being drafted at pick 89, wide receiver 36 off the board. And I wouldn't fight you if you said that's probably around where he's going to finish. But I think he's the type of player that you're really drafting him for his floor. I think he sees an uptick at Target this year. He'll be healthy, and he's been getting work in with Lamar because they both live in South Florida. So I think that'll be big along with last name Brown. He has been working out with his cousin, Antonio Brown, who say what you want about what goes on inside his head on the field. The dude is insane. He's a pristine route runner. And I think if Marquise Brown can learn a few things from him and translate it to his own game, you're really talking about a receiver that could set the league on fire next year, similar to the way Tyree kill has in past years, because he has the speed. He has the route running. He knows how to get off the line and he has great ball skills, despite being a very small receiver. So Hollywood Brown in round nine, Tyler, is that something that you're buying this year?
1: Yeah, I definitely like the value there at round nine. I think that he could be the biggest beneficiary to Lamar Jackson throwing more of the season. You said it yourself. They work, they work out together in South Florida. They're both from the area. I think that that chemistry definitely benefits him this season. Another thing to note is that he had a screw removed from his foot in the off season which kind of kept him from being 100% throughout the season and had him miss two games. So I think that this upcoming season, he'll come out better than he was last season. And, you know, he definitely has a lot of upside. One thing I wanted to note for the offense is that his A dot his average depth of target was 10.2, I believe, which is equal to Mark Andrews, who I think was at like 10.2 or 10.4. So... Just kind of a crazy stat to note. Um, especially there with goes to
0: show Mark Andrews, yeah, head in three, lock it in.
1: Yeah. That goes to show the the upside that Mark Andrews has and kind of the completeness that, that Hollywood Brown demonstrates in in the route tree that he runs because people kind of think of him as a sole deep threat, but we saw him last season kind of run a full route tree, ran some drag routes, ran uh curls, stuff like that. But yeah I think that this there's a lot of upside for Hollywood Brown at the ninth pick especially uh, since he could be the number two in this offense so d- definitely buying Hollywood Brown with the ninth pick.
0: Yeah Hollywood Brown great value another player that I don't really know if he's a great value this year Mark Ingram so right now he's RB18 off the board last year he finished as RB8 and half PPR where do you stand on Mark Ingram this year?
1: Yeah, I think that Mark Ingram's going exactly where he should be going at RB18. I think that he's going to be the sole running back one in this offense, not an RB1 in, in fantasy football. But I, I could see him surpassing 230 touches a season. Their best offensive lineman for the Ravens, Marshall Yanda, retire this season. So I think that definitely takes a toll on Mark Ingram. So I don't think that he will be finishing as the RB8 this season. And I think that the touchdowns kind of regress a little bit. I think that he had, what, 15 touchdowns? So, yeah, not buying Mark Ingram as anything more than a mid-to-low RB2 this season. But could be beneficial on your team, considering he still is going to be on a top-10 offense that does like to run the ball.
0: RB18 off the board, he's being drafted, what, like, late fourth round early fifth round mm-hmm. that's about where he went last year and I think it's about where he should be he really is the same player that he was in New Orleans last year he just saw incredible touchdown luck but we'll probably see that regress to the mean a little bit without Marshall Yonda I think definitely the efficiency might go down but he was already incredibly efficient so even if he goes down to just 5.0 yards per carry that is still really good and one of the better mm-hmm. backs in the NFL so Mark Ingram very t- talented runner between the tackles and definitely brings. In- A dimension of punch to this offense. They really just, like they did to the Patriots when they played in the regular season, they just punched in the mouth, and Mark Ingram is one of the main players that does that. He's a very, very physical runner. Last year, we saw his touches stay around the 220, 230 touch mark that he saw in New Orleans, and I don't think that'll change this year. I think he's still the same player, not really worried about his age. He's been very fresh throughout his career, and he always looks like he's pretty in shape, runs pretty hard. So, I still like Mark Ingram as a running back that is going to finish. I'll lock him in at the top 25. I don't necessarily know if he's going to finish as the RB18 he's being drafted at, just because I think there is a lot of infusion of young talent given opportunity, especially with his young class coming in. But I could definitely see Mark Ingram finishing top 25, and I'd be totally fine with him as my RB, maybe not my RB2, but I'd love to have him as my RB3. He's really probably like one of the best flexes you can get because he has that three touchdown upside any week just based upon the offense that he's in. And one player that you can really take with the last pick in your draft and just hope for the best is Miles Boykin. So he was a very fast player out of Notre Dame, uh, 6'4", ran about a four three eight, and really just has all the athletic ability in the world. He kind of reminds me of DJ Chark in terms of the player that they were their rookie year, didn't necessarily get all that much opportunity and made some nice highlight plays, but there wasn't that many flashes that made you really think he could be that great player that he turned out to be. So, Miles Boykin, just a late-round flyer, someone that you can take. Listen to training camp reports. We'll be updating you on that, but someone to keep an eye on for right now as someone that can really develop into a solid NFL receiver this season. And now we transition over to the Cincinnati Bengals or the Bungles. So, they do have the number one overall pick. It is presumed that they are going to take Joe Burrow next week. So assuming Joe Burrow is in this offense and he is the starter, I want to get your take on A.J. Green. Do you think he can bounce back this year and be the A.J. Green that we've seen before?
1: With A.J. Green, the talent is definitely there. I'm not sure that he does get the amount of volume that he's gotten in previous seasons because I think that Tyler Boyd kind of takes away a little bit from him with a rookie quarterback. I think that he'll target the slot a little bit more than the outside receiver, but as a ta- from a talent standpoint, I definitely love A.J. Green this season. Definitely some injury concern there. He's had multiple lower leg injuries the past few years, so there's definitely some concern there, which warrants the wide receiver 27 label right now. But the upside for A.J. Green is a is a high wide receiver too, so definitely could be a value there, but there's definitely some risk that goes with drafting A.J. Green.
0: Yeah, I think at wide receiver 27, his injury risk is really baked into his ADP. I don't think he'll – if he plays the full season, I don't see how he finishes below wide receiver 27. So this is a scenario where you're drafting a player at his floor. Even if it's going to be Joe Burrow, I think with the system that he could play in with Zach Taylor, it likes to get receivers in space. And A.J. Green, if you give him space, he's a very physical runner. He can separate – and he's also very fast, so just really an athletic specimen, and he knows how to play the football. He can high point, he in has incredible ball skills, and he isn't afraid to run over the middle of the field. So I kind of get excited talking about A.J. Green in this offense. If Joe Burrow turns out to be what everyone thinks he's going to be, it'll definitely be the best quarterback that A.J. Green has played with. So pretty interesting combo there. I think A.J. Green has high wide receiver two, low wide receiver one upside he, if he can get back to the guy that we're used to. He's being drafted appropriately right now just because of that injury risk, and you don't necessarily know what's going to happen with that offense. But if he's on the board at wide receiver 27, anywhere from that wide receiver 30, I'll take him. I'll just – I'll take a flyer on the upside. Worst-case scenario, I missed on one pick in the middle rounds. But that upside that late in drafts is something that I like to be had. And another player that I think is a good value from this team just because of, like you said – Rookie quarterback, probably target the slot, take the easier throw more often than not. And this play reminds me of Robert Woods and the type of role that he had in the Rams offense. Tyler Boyd. So right now he's going at wide receiver 33. Do you think he's a good value there?
1: I think he's definitely a good value for someone that you could get as your wide receiver four. We've seen the the past couple of years he could definitely provide some fantasy football value. And I think that he could be the leading target getter in this offense because it is a rookie quarterback. And I do think that he does target the slot a bit. In this offense, there can be two wide receiver twos in this offense. I'm not sure that they're going to be a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two. Definitely see the upside for Boyd and AJ Green there in this offense if everything works out the way that Zach Taylor wants it to. I'm buying Tyler Boyd at wide receiver 33. I'm presuming a top 24 finish for Tyler Boyd.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, when last time we saw both of these receivers healthy and on the field together, I think it was for the first five to six weeks in 2018, and they were both in the top 20, and I don't think that pace would have changed because A.J. Green was finally getting one-on-ones, and Tyler Boyd was wreaking havoc over the middle of the field. So it's a really nice one-two punch that they have there, and they do have a great third punch also in John Ross, who is coming into his own as a receiver Uh, just a quick note, he is going to be like a low-volume Hollywood Brown, someone you can take late in drafts and just start him and hope for there to be that Hollywood Brown upside where he breaks a few big plays for a touchdown, but with John Ross, the floor is always zero, so kind of tread with caution around him, but yeah, AJ Green and Tyler Boyd, one thing I like about both of them is they are both very good in the red zone. Tyler Boyd knows how to pick his spots in the end zone and makes easy throws, and AJ Green He doesn't even need an easy throw just throw it wherever you want he'll go get it he's that type of receiver so with there being no Tyler Eifert and those two really being the best red zone threats they have I think AJ Green and Tyler Boyd do have a lot of touchdown equity and you're not really paying for it in their ADP right now so two pretty solid options from the Bengals and one shaky option that you shouldn't necessarily be looking at that much in John Ross and the most important player on the Bengals is Joe Mixon. So right now he's being drafted as RB7, and he's being drafted as the ninth player off the board. How do you think that is way too high for him this season?
1: Yeah, it's very hard to trust Joe Mixon as your RB1 this season, given that the offense is going to be presumably very pass-heavy this season. And along with that, the Zach Taylor offense, which kind of derives from the Sean McVay kind of system, doesn't really target the the running backs in the passing game, so with that being said, I think that he does get his touches this season. I don't think that they're as efficient. It's kind of gonna be very similar to what we saw last season from the first half and a little bit of the second half just because you know he he's a very talented player, and it's just the situation that he's he's been given right now in this offense. And the, the offensive line that he's been given, you know, they got they have Jonah Williams coming back, but one rookie offensive lineman isn't going to fortify the the whole offensive line. So, yeah, it's it's very hard to trust Joe Mixon as my RB1 in this offense. So as an RB2, I would I would look into it, but. I, I'm I'm presuming at, at about a mid-RB2 finish from Joe Mixon.
0: Joe Mixon at RB7 is just blasphemous to me. I don't see how he has that much upside given the situations that we've seen. Unless Zach Taylor, I might have missed it maybe, said that he wanted to give Joe Mixon all the passing work on every passing down and just make him the number one receiver. I don't think he has that upside that you want from a first-round pick because – One, they necessarily won't be that good of an offense. They do have a rookie quarterback, it still is a battle line. And the receivers are good and the running back is good. But you need a complete offense in order to make things really work. Two, he isn't given that receiving work that you want in half and full PPR leagues. He has never topped more than 43 receptions. And with Zach Taylor last year, he only had 35 receptions for 287 yards. So that number really needs to go up. And he needs to be playing more on third down. And I don't necessarily think that'll happen because they did re sign Giovanni Bernard. They believe in him as a player. He is a good player. He just isn't Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon, he's really going to be volume based. And with those players, they're really more RB2s because the difference between an RB1 and the RB2 isn't necessarily the volume, it's also the efficiency. You need someone that's going to be efficient with all that volume. And Joe Mixon does not necessarily do that. And although the situation could improve, I don't think it improves to the point where he still is an RB1. So Joe Mixon this season overvalued. Don't draft him in the first round. If he slides to late second round, then you can take him. But there's no reason he should be ahead of guys like Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler, Kenyon Drake. They're really He's really more in the Kenyon Drake and Austin Eckler category than he is in the Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs category. So someone that's being overvalued right now, Joe Mixon. That's going to be it for the AFC North podcast. We have one more episode left where we're going to be talking about the AFC East, and then we'll be moving on from divisional analysis to draft analysis and doing a deep dive to uncover this year's biggest sleepers and busts. If you like what you hear from us and want more stats or fantasy advice or just want to connect with us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at FTFantasyFB and on Instagram at FirstTakeFantasy. Our next episode will be covering the AFC East. Where we'll be talking about Stefan Diggs' trade to Buffalo, how bringing in Chan Gailey as the offensive coordinator uncovers some fantasy gold in Miami, what the Jets' offense is going to look like with year two under Adam Gase, and if there's even anything to be excited about in New England.